to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today I am interviewing a fellow UCF alumni. I have with me is Simon Baxis. He works for Google. He works in their sales department selling Google Cloud and he'll talk a little bit about that. But why I'm so excited today is because on top of him working in sales for Google, he was part of the professional selling program and Simon now is comes back to UCF to talk to college students on how they can apply for their dream job at Google. And obviously, if you're in college right now and somebody said, would you like to work at Google? Nine, nine and 99.9% of all of you probably will say, yes, get me a job at Google. It is by far probably the company that most students want to work for, but it's also one of the hardest companies to get into. So we'll dive into um, ways of how you can position yourself to increase those chances um, for you to have a success. But before that, let's start. You know, Simon, why don't you introduce yourself um, and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, having me, Daniel. You know, it's, it's really exciting. It's really humbling to be both, you know, back at UCF as well as do this podcast and catch up with you. Um, so as you said, you know, my name is Simon Baxis. Um, I am in cloud sales for Google Cloud. Um, and a little bit about myself. I am originally from Eastern Europe. Uh, so when I was 16, I moved from Lithuania um, to Florida with my family, with my parents. And, you know, I was the, the weird foreign kid in high school and, and had to kind of deal with that, learn English and, and really kind of adapt to, to the environment that I was thrown in. But uh, I think that was one of the things that, you know, that made me stronger, that made me learn and, and gave me a, a good life experience. And so uh, from there, I went to, uh, to UCF after, after high school. Um, and I'll, you know, we can dive deep into, into more what I did there. But uh, then I moved over to New York City after graduating college, uh, worked for a tech startup called Stack Overflow, a uh, phenomenal company. And I, and I still think they're, they're really, really great. Um, and then ended up uh, in Austin, in Google, uh, in, in our central headquarters, if you will, in the U.S. Uh, so that's kind of the, the 30 second spiel. Perfect. I would love to dive into a little bit about your college career. And when did you realize that you wanted to work at Google? Um, I don't think I realized that I wanted to work at Google probably until until my senior year, until actually somebody somebody from Google came uh, to UCF. But I always knew that I wanted to be in tech, or I should say maybe 16 onwards, because previously I was kind of bred to be to be a doctor like my mother, um, and that changed after uh, a lot of stuff that she had to go through. And 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 really, at one point when I think I was 15 or 16, she just said, you know, never mind, screw it, <laughs> go do business, go do whatever you want, figure out an easier way. And so that's what I set out to do. Um, I knew I wanted to go to tech, Google obviously being in probably that top 10 that I always envisioned, but I never really had uh, my mind set on Google from the start. It more so happened, uh, I would say, my senior year. And so your senior year, and as a college student, um, what were some of the things that you did as a college student to kind of prep you up to make sure that you would have a job in the tech industry? 
once you graduated? Yes, I would say, you know, my freshman and my sophomore year, I, I didn't do much, right? I went through the motions, I partied, I went to football games and, and kind of did have that whole thing. And then when I finally entered the College of Business, um, I started taking all these classes. I started realizing that graduation is not that far away. Um, I actually graduated college in three years, so I had a, a shortened period of time uh, because I dual enrolled in high school. And so I knew that I needed to start doing something, and I started entering all these clubs and taking positions. And um, I always thank Dr. Messiah, who's, who's a fantastic marketing professor at UCF, just to, for, for pushing me and, and for uh, you know, telling me that I need to build my brand early. And so I started doing all of these things, right? And then I think everything really changed when I applied for uh, the professional selling program at UCF. And I'm super thankful my entire life for, for Dr. Steiger and that program and how it really changed everything for me. So you, you quickly mentioned about earlier on about building your brand. And I think that's something that's really important for students to do is, especially when you're at a large university like UCF, where there's over 8,000 students in the College of Business, about, you know, starting treating yourself as a business and building your own brand. When you were building that brand as a college student, what was the brand that you were trying to build? Like, what, what did you want other people looking at you and thinking of? Yeah, and, and, and you brought up a good point, right? You're, you're one of many at UCF, at such a large school, um, and, and it's really, but the opportunities are all there, and they're all there for you to take, and so many people, I think, kind of, especially nowadays, complain about high tuition costs and how undergrad maybe is useless, whatever it may be, but so much of it is just about the opportunities that that type of university can provide, and they're all out there to take. So when I decided that I need to build a better brand, I wanted for professors, I wanted for fellow students, I wanted for future uh, you know, recruiters to look at me and say, you know, this guy is sharp. He's done ABC things um, and he's proven that he's sharp and he's proven that he can you know, execute in these environments, adapt well. Um, and so I really, I think I set out on, on this mission, I think my junior year of just doing a bunch of things. So when people see me, when people hear my name in the College of Business, they know who I am. You know, you, you can see sometimes a bunch of different pictures of people posted in the College of Business, and you look at those students, and you're like, I wonder why they are on this poster and I'm not. Um, and that's kind of who I want it to be. I want it to be a well-known name, so when, you know, when there's a project that's up and coming, when maybe Dr. Steiger gets a, gets a job offer from someone, he immediately thinks me because he knows that I'm the best to do that job. Makes sense. Um, you, you mentioned that you moved to the United States when you were 16 years old. Um, what are some of the disadvantages that you thought you might have had because you are, you know, you moved to the United States when you were 16? And then on the other side, do, did you ever see that you were, had an advantage because you moved here when you were 16? Um, so I'll start with the latter. I think, I think there was definitely at points an advantage that I didn't realize early on. Um, early on, all I wanted to do was fit in and not, you know, and then lose the accent and and learn English and just be a normal American kid, right? Because I was 16, I was going through my prime teenage years. Um, but I think as I kept growing older and I kept going through college, the fact that I was from somewhere else uh, made me stand out and made me different. And even though I didn't like that at first, I came to realize very quickly that, you know, that made me memorable, that made me different, that made me um, in ways, you know, with a life experience that a lot of other people didn't have. Um, so I think it ended up being a really good thing. Um, what I think I envisioned at first 
when I was, you know, trying to adapt is that the fact that I'm this foreign kid, the fact that I'm an immigrant, you know, it's, it's, uh, it has a negative connotation to it. And, uh, I luckily got rid of that pretty quickly, but I also saw my parents go through that and get treated very differently in workplaces because they had very strong accents because they were, you know, perceived as being maybe not as intelligent, whatever it may be. And so I was very scared of having that same, you know, that same problem, but you know, it, it turned out well. Great. Do you think that later on in your career being, um, I guess in a sense, different or a minority helped you or how has that played out later on in, I guess now in the future? I think it's certainly helped. Um, and, and I think that's proven by, you know, the current focus in today's world on diversity and, and, and hiring diverse candidates with various backgrounds. Um, and so it made me appreciate that. It made me appreciate diversity within the workplace, and, and uh, which I think I would have never realized if I didn't have that experience. No, it makes sense. Um, I, I think I see it too. I, I have conversations with my wife about it all the time about how, you know, when you, people who are, at, you know, in a sense, you look at it with disadvantage because of whether they're minority, whatever, whatever it may be. They, they're at disadvantage, but once they realize that they can take advantage of the disadvantage, now they become with the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that a lot. You just said it, you know, with companies being so focused on hiring a diverse workforce, um, you're, the fact that you're in the minority might help you so much in being able to get opportunities that you might not even know they were available to you. Exactly. Um, so let's start talking about Google because usually is what people want to learn, uh, are going to want to know is how do they get a job with Google? Um, I did. I hear. I heard one of your talks at UCF, and you were talking about um, how hard is it to get to Google. So I I, I do want to point that is that just because you listen to this podcast is not guarantee that you know this podcast is helping you land your dream job, but neither I or Simon can can guarantee that at Google. Um, <laughs> But share some of the statistics of um, how big Google is and how many applicants they get and, and kind of that information for students. Yeah, I mean, so like you said, it's, it's definitely not, um, not an easy thing to do, but I, but I think it can be done by, by anyone. You know, it's just a matter of, of grit, um, hard work, maybe a little bit of luck. And, and I certainly had a little bit of luck um, on my way there. But yeah, Google's a huge organization. You know, they have over almost ninety thousand employees that are full-time employees. We have another, you know, sixty or seventy thousand um, contractors, right, and vendors that vendors that work on a six to twelve-month basis um, at Google. So there's there's a lot of people and there's a lot of hiring, but there's certainly a lot of applications as well. I mean, we get millions of applications every day, um, and, and I believe. I don't want to be quoted on this, but I believe that the acceptance rate is just around 0.2% from an application to an actual offer at Google. So you have to find creative ways to, to get into that organization. And, and that's something that I tried to do throughout my college career um, is to really go around the standard process and then, and, and, you know, put your foot in if, if, if nobody does it for you. So how did you get started with like... How did you get your job at Google? Can you express, explain to us how that worked and when did it really all start and how long was that process for you? Yeah, so I think it all started, like I said, with, with the initiative to build my brand junior year and really uh, do all the right things that professors were recommending and, and, and mentors were recommending. 
Um, and professional selling certainly put me on the right path. And then after I started doing all those things and uh, taking leadership positions within different clubs, which was uh, very helpful, um, I when a colleague of mine now, uh, luckily, came to UCF, she's, uh, she's been at UCF. Uh, at Google Austin, where I work actually for about six years when I, this was 2016, um, that she came and she came back, she's a fellow PSP peer and she presented to the, to us as well as the entire, uh, university about Google and what they do and how to get a job there. Um, and I literally stalked her for that week, right? I mean, I was going to every single presentation that she had and I had scheduled coffee with her and, you know, I ended up exchanging numbers with her and I tried really, really my hardest for her to notice me and, and put in some sort of good word for me. Uh, but then she ended up leaving, you know, she went back to work and then that kind of her week stint was over. And so um, I didn't really know what else to do. I applied, I follow all, her, all of her directions. And I think there's, there's a lesson to be made, uh, to be learned there. But um, I never heard from her for, you know, or from Google for that matter for, for quite a while. And I ended up interviewing somewhere else and graduating and um, you know, ended up getting a nice job offer in New York City, which was which was very humbling. And so I moved out there. Um, and fast forward to, to early 2017 in January, uh, that girl actually reached out to me and said, hey, um, you know, I know we spoke a year ago. I still have your number. Um, and uh, we chatted and she said, you know, we're, hi we're hiring in, in Austin for Google. And if you're interested, and it all just kind of came came back around like a year later, and then I used the graduation and and the the job in New York City as more of a stepping stone. And um, I learned that you have to be patient sometimes, right? Like you don't immediately get what you want, but uh, it was a great stepping stone for me. And you know, she ended up uh, putting in a, a word for me, and and I interviewed, and luckily got the offer, and and. Uh, ended up accepting, you know, breaking my lease in New York City, leaving everything behind, quitting my job at Stack Overflow. And uh, now I work with her almost every day. I see her at the office. We've become good friends. And now I'm the one that gets to get go back to UCF and tell this story and, and really kind of do what, um, what she did for me for other students. So what I've learned just from your story, and this is the second time I hear it, is your process to work at Google was not overnight. So it started your junior year. Um, and then it wasn't until over a year after you graduated that you even got the opportunity to interview with Google. Exactly and right. so I think a lesson here for the, for the students is anything hard or anything worth it doesn't come easy and you just have to be persistent. You have to prepare yourself because that opportunity might come. And like you said earlier, there's a little bit of luck that comes to it, but he had to have put himself in the right position, right? If he didn't make an impression with her, with Lauren, mm -hmm. right? when he was a student and kept connected with her, Lauren wouldn't have thought about him a year later. And so I think what is, is key, networking is key and then doing the right things, understanding what helps you stand out in Google's eyes is get, and be able to build that into your, you know, your resume or your personal experience is going to you know, go a long ways. What are some of the things that students can do if they are interested in working in Google that they can start building? What skills does Google look for? Or what are some of the common factors that people who have a successful career at Google have? Yeah, and so, and to piggyback off your point, you know, you mentioned networking and, and it's, it's really, really cliche of, of a saying, but you're, you know, they say your network is your net worth. And, and I mean, it's really true and it's proven time and time again to me in my life. 
Um, but as far as positioning yourself early for an organization like Google, it's important to understand what they look for. Um, and every you know, company, especially these big, big name um, tech companies, they all look for maybe similar things, but all unique things as well to, to their cultures and to their environments. And so for Google specifically, everything is centered around uh, four hiring pillars and they're you know, publicly known, but so many people don't actually do the preparation to understand them. And, um, and you can start those early. If, you know, if you're a junior right now, you can do all of those things to prepare. So when you're a senior, you're ready. And those four things are always about, um, number one, how a person thinks. So we always assess you know, the, uh, the general cognitive ability of a person. And uh, you know, those are the, the famous questions that, that you hear about, you know, how many ping pong balls can you fit in a school bus that's going 60 miles an hour? Um, it's, there's never a right answer, but there's always uh, a thought process to how to solve that problem. And some of those questions are not as extreme. That's just a, fu a funny example that I have in my head. But um, it's always important to understand how a person thinks. And so when you think about preparing yourself for a job at Google, you want to show on your resume and in your future internships or jobs that you take these type of problems and you think about them and you actually solve them in some sort of way. Um, the next thing they look for is leadership, which is um, you know obviously a given. I think most companies like leadership, but I think Google's leadership is a little bit unique in the sense that uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to manage people per se, um, but it means that you know if there's a problem out there, it's up to you to take initiative and to solve it and to, to do all of everything that you can to solve it, even if it's not your job. That's leadership, that's taking initiative, and, and Google looks for that. And so whenever you can do that in your future internship or if you can show that on a resume that there was this problem and you solved it, it really kind of puts you on that path. Um, the next thing is role-related knowledge, and so that's pretty literal, but it's also you know important to uh, to look ahead. And like you know, like you said, it took me a while, and the role-relatedness didn't necessarily come from college. I left college for a year, and I did SaaS sales for a different tech company, which gave me the role-related knowledge that I needed for a sales role in Google Cloud. Um, and then the fourth thing that they look for is, 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 you know, is the concept of Googliness. <laughs> it's a really funky word and, and often very hard to define. Um, and, there, and people define it in various ways, but I always look at it as just being, you know, being a good person. And uh, during my presentations this week, a lot of people kind of quoted the, the old mantra of Google, don't be, don't be evil. And it's, it's not necessarily on the forefront now. And I mean, we're still not evil, right? <laughs> um, but it, it, it kind of goes with that theme of caring about people, helping people um, when they need it and when they don't need it, caring about the community and just really being a, a decent human being. Um, and it's like I said, it's tough to define, but it's easy to see. Like when I interview people, I can pretty quickly tell, you know, whether this person is quote unquote googly or not. So you said the four pillars. So what are some things that students can do? So if they say, that, let, let's talk about, because if you were to interview people, it would be more towards the sales academy, that you, one of the positions that you're hiring for. But what are some things that you would like to see in students' resume that would really make them stand out? I think it's, um, you know, I, th I think there's uniqueness that, that Google looks for. And um, when you have a million applications to sort through, there has to be something on that one application that catches you know, a recruiter or a hiring manager's eyes, right? And so you know, if you can do something that's a bit different, if you can maybe um, go study abroad, if you can have some really cool internship, or 
um, some sort of initiative. Like one of one of the things that I did in college, and not to say that everyone needs to do this, but I started a company of my own my senior year, um, uh, an apparel company, an e-commerce store, and I did everything possible to develop that. And uh, I think that helped a lot of my initial job offers as well as my discussion at Google, which showed, you know, entrepreneurial spirit and something different that I did. And so it's always about that, that different thing that, that you can showcase on your resume or in your experience. And uh, there's various, various ways to achieve it. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, the three things that I just named, but you want to make yourself stand out. And that goes even, you know, as far as uh, resumes, right? Like you want to make your, if you looked at my resume, um, it's very colorful and it was, you know, primarily made for Google, but it's, it's, it's a different format than the black and white resumes that you see every day. Um, my, uh, my presence online is, is, is developed, right? Like I have a website, I have a filled out LinkedIn profile. That's very neat. So you have to do these things to make yourself look good, both, you know, on paper as well as, uh, you know, on a, on a resume. No, that makes, makes a lot of sense. It's, it's about just creating your brand and building your brand. I did have a question because you, you mentioned about, you know, starting your business your senior year. How do companies take it when they see that you are the founder or CEO or you started your own business in college? Do you think companies see that? I mean, I think Google sees it as a, as a positive thing. But in your perspective, when, when you were interviewing or talking to other companies when you were in your senior year, how did, it, did that question come up? You know, do they feel like, why should I hire you knowing that you might leave any minute? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It actually came up um, more often than I thought it would. Um, but initially coming out of college when I was talking to companies, um, it, it came up multiple times, you know, like, oh, that's great, you know, all this initiative, but, um, you know, what's next for it? And I would say, well, I do want to keep it around, um, but I'm very committed, you know, to this job and um, I'm committed to, to doing both and, and splitting them completely apart, right? So that means from eight to six, I'm yours, and what I, what I do after hours, right, from 6 to, to midnight, that's, that's my time, and if I want to maintain that business, I think I should have the freedom to. So there's definitely both sides to that story. A lot of people said, oh, well, you know, there's some sort of intimidation factor there that to your point, maybe I'll leave, or maybe I'll create another company and then leave, um, but then there was also the, the people that really liked it because they thought it's entrepreneurial and it's me taking initiative and it's me doing something, you know, without guidance from others. Um, so it was definitely, you know, both worlds there. Um, and I think it's, it was up to me to kind of diffuse that situation to say like, yes, I understand that I founded a company. And to be quite frank, long term, I plan to probably start another company. But right now, I want to focus what's in front of me and I would be extremely, you know, humbled if I could, you know, work here at this company or customer or company X. That, that makes sense. I think I, I've in recent, recently I've been getting those questions. Actually, one particular question, uh, a student had asked me about that. And I think it just depends on the company that you're interviewing with too, because um, a tech company, a very entrepreneurial minded company, they might love that, right? But a very conservative old school company might feel threatened because you think outside the box because you don't like to follow rules. And, and, um, so that's, that's very, very interesting. So Simon, what are some advice uh, that you wish you knew when you were a college student that you know now that you can give to the audience? Yeah, and so just to very quickly, because you mentioned yeah. a good point about um, you know com how companies view your entrepreneurial sphere or something along, along those lines. 
Um, I think that's actually how you find your culture fit, right? Because if you're an entrepreneurial person and the company that you're interviewing looks down upon it, probably means that you're not going to culturally thrive. And I think that's actually you know important to to, to recognize. And and sometimes you just gotta you know step away from that offer. If if, if the culture fit is not good, you're going to be an unhappy person. You're going to want to quit in four months. Um, and so uh, I think that's just wanted to point that out. Um, about your question, you know, with um, with advice that I wish I knew, um, I think now, you know, in my in my career and being in a tech company, I think one of the key lessons that I learned is that there's there's always a way around the typical application process, um, especially with big companies like Google, because it's you know there's so many doors that you could potentially open, and and I'm realizing now that you know people will always help you get in a company and so many um, folks just don't utilize that. So I'm realizing now that there's, there's such an easy way to just find someone at a company, at a big company, find some sort of common ground with them, literally just reach out cold to them and say, hey, you know, I'm a student, right? I need help. I'm looking to work for this company. Can I pick your brain for 30 minutes? And most people will, will usually say yes. I mean, people are, are willing to help. People want to help. Um, and, and, you know, as a matter of fact, most people get referral bonuses within companies so that, so they want to help people get hired. Um, and I'm realizing that that is one of the, I mean, one of the best ways in I've had so much success with just reaching out to random people, picking their brain and either on better, getting a better understanding of the company and the position in front of me, or actually getting a referral, which completely fast tracks, yeah. um, your, your journey to the company. I think it's so funny. I think two things you said. One, I feel like you're going to get 100 LinkedIn messages um, just by that comment. But I think you prepare for that just by all the talks you've given at UCF lately. Um, the second thing, I think you're, you're completely right. I think um, I've read so much about this topic and 80% of jobs are filled through referrals, if not more. Like It's hard to quantify that number, but, but different websites say 90 some say 80, but it, it never goes below 80% of jobs are filled by referrals. But I think students spend, um, and I also read the statistic that 80% of the time the students spent looking for a job, they're doing it online. Mm-hmm. And they're just applying and, and not necessarily asking for the referral. But um, that's very similar to what you experienced at Google is what I experienced at PepsiCo. Um, they get thousands of applicants but the people who ended up getting the jobs were people who got referrals. So like I personally refer, referred over 12 people into PepsiCo and the people that I referred, they pretty, they were guaranteed to get an interview. Like if I referred them, they believed that they at least were worthy of an interview because of the respect that the HR manager had on my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it also depends on who refers you. Right. And if that person that refers you to the HR manager is somebody that that the HR manager respects or there's a reputation already of you referring great candidates, that is going to be really powerful. The second thing I always have students think about is what is a resume? It is the most biased document in the world, Mm -hmm. right? You spend hours and hours building this document that all it says, all the great things about you. And now that I'm in staffing and I read resumes all day, it's, you take resumes with a grain of salt because you know that they're biased. Mm-hmm. But if it's given to by somebody, then you take it by what the person's reputation that gave you the resume is worth. Exactly right. right. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and so what do you suggest in terms of, do you think students should connect with people who work at Google and try to pick their brain? Do you think that it, that approach would work at Google just, just like it would work with any other company? 
<clears throat> yeah, I think I think it works all around. I think uh, it never hurts, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it can be worse if you, if you talk to someone, if you pick their brain, um, even if you never end up with a job there, or even if you never even want a job at Google, uh, as a matter of fact, that's fine. But to talk to people that are in those positions and work for such companies, um, I think it never hurts. I think it only you know makes you more intelligent and more prepared for what's to come. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you're very busy. I don't want to take so much time of your time, but I have two more questions for you. The first one is, is there any question you wish I would have asked you? I, you know, to be, to be frank, I, I can't think of anything on the spot. Um, All right, maybe, right. maybe I'll answer that later if something comes to mind. All right. No problem. Well, here's my last question. So we talked a lot, you know, we've been talking now for 28 minutes. Uh, we share a lot of knowledge. We talked, we talked about your story. But if a student listening to this only remembers one thing, what would you wish they would take away from this episode? Um, I wish that, you know, students start early, right? Start early preparing for this and just be very patient because I think so many students that I, you know, just talked to this week are, are kind of in the situation of, oh, I'm graduating in three months and I'm just now like gathering my things together. Um, and, and it's so hard, right? And so this, the sooner you prepare, like I always, when I was giving presentations this week, I shouted out the people that were like freshmen in, in, in my presentations because they don't even know what they're doing yet. They're so ahead. But they're already <laughs> so ahead. And I always, you know, I almost went and high-fived each and one of them because, because they're starting early. And I think that's really, really key to start early um, and have that type of patience um, and, and just prepare, you know, prepare yourself. And, and the preparation goes long-term and short-term. Um, I think anytime you, know, you want to you wanna set your eyes on some sort of career, you need to start preparing early, like I said. But it also, I think in any conversation that you have, any interview that you have, um, anytime you are picking my brain on any, or any other Googler, if you will, um, be prepared. Be prepared to, to know what you want to say, to know what you want to ask, to know what you want to find out, and always have some sort of end goal in mind, right? You want to steer that conversation somewhere and make it mutually beneficial so that the person that is helping you feels like they did instead of, you know, wasting time. Perfect. I, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you taking time to be on my podcast. I'm excited because I know this is just going to be such great content and anybody that listens to it is going to gain so much value from it. Um, but how can students get connected with you? LinkedIn? Is that probably the best way for them to connect with you? LinkedIn is, I think, the best. Um, I'm, pretty, I'm very responsive on there. Being in a sales job, I have LinkedIn pulled up 24-7, basically. Um, so anyone that wants to reach out, uh, more than welcome to. I'm happy to help. Uh, you know, just make sure that you introduce yourself when you try to connect with me. Throw a message in there so I know who I am, uh, so I know who you are. Because uh, very often, if, if there's no if there's no intro message, I very often decline invites. I don't blame you. Well, Simon, thank you so much, and. Everybody else, I look forward to giving you guys more content and more awesome guests in the next episodes. Talk to you soon. Thank you from the bottom of my heart from taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode. I truly hope that you loved it as much as I enjoyed making and creating this content for you. My goal is to provide content that's going to help you master college and land your dream job. So if this helped you and if you know someone that should listen to this podcast, please, please share it with them. Nothing will make me happier than to see this podcast grow and make this community bigger so that we can help every student be able to graduate with their dream job. And I hope to see you guys in the next episode.